Christ Community Church, located at 25th and Thomas Avenue in Portsmouth, Ohio. Christ Community meets on Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 10.30 a.m. For more information, visit www.christcommunity.net or check out our Facebook page. Kind of repeat what Andrew was saying. This is the best time of the year to invite someone to come to church. There, the two times that are easier uh, when people are just thinking about it is Christmas and Easter, as probably you already know. So uh, uh, if you have a friend or someone that uh, now's the perfect time to invite them and uh, more apt to get an affirmative and to bring them to a Christmas Eve service is really a good time. Uh, <clears throat> because it'll be a Christmas Eve candlelight service, and again this year we're going to encourage you to stay home on Christmas Day with your family and make the best of it. Um, if you've got to get out for some reason on Christmas Day, why just bring a gift to my house, it'll be okay. <laughs> I, I like envelopes with money in them better than I do that. It's stuff you have to unwrap, but that's all right. The, the assignment for me today uh, we've been talking about Jesus as prophet, priest, and now king. And um, Jesus was, was and is and will continue to be a king. But my point when talking with the guys on the staff here about kings, Americans just don't like kings. We never have. We came into existence primarily because we didn't like kings. We wanted to get away from them. We wanted freedom. And uh, so when Jesus identifies himself as a king, and that's exactly what he does when he was standing before Pilate during his trial. He stood before Pilate, <clears throat> and uh, Pilate, and I'm going to read this to you, then we'll go from there. But get your pen and your pencil and your sermon outline because you're going to need to write some stuff. We're going to play a game, actually because I figured you'd either be tired or sleepy, or both. He starts off, <clears throat> Pilate, in what, when I'm going to start reading here in the 18th chapter of John, and start verse 35, he actually, Pilate is being sarcastic. And he asked Jesus this question, am I a Jew? Because he didn't like them. It was your people and your chief priest, he said, who handed you over to me. So what is it you've done? Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. Now you need to have that highlighted, underlined, circled. His kingdom is not a worldly kingdom as we understand it. He said, if it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. But now my kingdom is from another place. Jesus is talking about a totally new thing. But he uses the term king because that's what they understood. He simply meant that he was going to be the leader in this new relationship called the kingdom of God. So it was then that, that Pilate said... You are a king then, right? Jesus said, you're right in saying, I am a king. In fact, for this reason I was born, and for this I came into the world to testify the truth. And everybody on the side of truth will listen to me. 
So Jesus confesses to being a king. But that doesn't change the fact that you and I, as Americans, have always had some resistance just to the word king. We were taught in history and by experience, totalitarianism is bad. And so when we hear that thing, we have a problem. Now, let me explain to you, and then we'll start this little game. What I'm about to try to prove this morning is this. In light of the kingdom of God and what Jesus taught about it. I'm about to try to get across to you this one single thing. That once you are a Christian... Once you have been born into God's kingdom, that's what the new birth is. First birth, mom and daddy, into this world. Second birth, into the kingdom of God. The Apostle Paul actually says we have dual citizenship. Citizenship here, citizenship in heaven. Now, what's the most important thing for all of Christianity once you have been born into God's kingdom, it is simply this. The most important thing, the only thing that God really cares about is how we treat each other. And you and I both know that the history of the church is not a real good one when it comes to how we treat each other. The divisions, the whole book of Corinthians was written about that. So, Let's see how you feel about kings. So I want your participation. I want you to feel free to speak up. So how do you feel about kings? For instance, when you mention the word king, this is under A1, we were sitting as a group going over the sermon outline, and uh, I looked at Ralph because he's easy to pick on, and I said, what do you think about Ralph? When they say the word king, just the first thing comes to your mind, he said Martin Luther King. Okay. And then we went around and asked everybody, and finally Chris was the last, because he's quiet and sits and listens, and, 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 and he's, he's a suck-up, really. And he said, well, I think of Jesus. You were right. Okay. Now, When we use the word royalty, and I ask, uh, just in passing this past week, I asked different people without no good reason, and and Alice Kay said, uh, Kate Middleton. Who in the heck is... uh, And then she showed me a picture, and I got interested too. (laughs) Yeah. She's a a good-looking chick, you know. She's the the wife of the next king of England, or whatever he's going to be. Then we came to the word... Throne. I asked different young people what they think of throne, and invariably they thought of a toilet. <laughs> and I'll be honest with you, that crossed my mind too. You know. So okay, we'll pass over that one. We've we've mentioned that. And when it came to the word, and I asked two young people about prince. What do you think of? Because Jesus was kind of indicating that his father was the king, and he was a prince, so on and so forth. And, and anyway. And they invariably said some rock and roll guitar player that called himself Prince. And so I looked up his picture and I said, Lord, why would anybody? 
But anyway, and he's dead. And I guess died this, this year. So now then, let's see how you do with your pen and your pencil, and we play some games here. I want you to evaluate different kings that we use in our terminology all the time. Oh, well, some of them you may not. And if it's a good king, I want you to put a G there. If he's a bad king, I want you to put a B there. Bad, good, bad. So you ready? Let's go with the first one. Henry VIII, is he good or bad? Why is he bad? There's a good song, I'm Henry VIII, I am, I am. You know, why is Henry VIII so bad? What did he do that made him bad? Anybody know? Oh, so he killed his wife. Yeah. Yeah, he did. Because she couldn't have a son, and he had to have a son, so he uh, lifted her head from her shoulders and got him another one. And, but the guy started the church, he started the Church of England. You see, the Pope wouldn't, appro wouldn't approve his, uh, his divorce, so he just started his own church, made himself the head of it, and gave himself a divorce. And that's why Ann Bolin died, and he married another one. Okay, what about Burger? Burger what? Burger King, yeah. I started to go get some crowns from Burger King, but nearly everybody here that has a restaurant sells pizza, so I stayed away from that. You know. So is Burger King good or bad? You'll have to put that down yourself. You make. It. I, I just wanted to kind of make sure you're so. Right. King James, is this good or bad? What did you say? Good. Why is it good? See that you're thinking about the Bible. I was thinking, uh, Ralph, see, he didn't think about the Bible. He thought about the basketball player at Cleveland. In fact, he asked the question, why do they call him King James? Because his name is James. And he's the king because they won the thing last year. So, but this, I wasn't thinking about the basketball player. I, I mean, because Kentucky was really what counts. Anyway. They won, you know. Yeah. 130 to 100. The kid that's a whole lot like me scored 47 points. Yeah. Elvis, is he good or bad? Why? You think rock and roll is good? He died as a druggie? Okay, so he could sing hymns with George. You know, I saw George laughing back there. Yeah, you'll have to determine that for yourself. Martin Luther? Is it Martin Luther King or Martin Luther? It has to be Martin Luther King. So you're saying that it's good. All right. Roy Rogers. Why is he good? He's, is he a king? King of the Cowboys, yeah. Grew up on the west side, so he couldn't be good. <laughs> Just having a little fun with you. Yeah, he was born in Cincinnati, grew up on the west side. But he's a, he was a king, so he's probably a good one. What about Herod? Bad because he killed all the babies, right? He issued it when he was trying to find Jesus, so he's a bee. What about George the Third? 
That's not you, George. George III. Do you know who he is? He was the king of England during the Boston Tea Party. So is he good or bad? Okay. Because he put a tax on tea. And that caused the Boston Tea Party. So you would probably say he's a bad one. What about Saul? S-A-U-L. I'm not talking about the apostle now who became Paul. I'm talking about... He's bad, huh? All right. So you think he's bad uh, because he ended up bad or, you know... Because, uh, you know, it wasn't his idea to become a king. It was the people. They came to Samuel. I can read that to you in the, in the, uh, in, in, and we'll get to that later on. What about cobra? See how you like snakes. He's a king cobra. That's it, you know, all right. Yeah, good looking snake. If he's dead. Yeah. All right, now we got a couple of tough ones here. We'll see how well you know your Bible. Jeroboam, good or bad? Why is he bad? Do you even know who he is? Anybody know who Jeroboam was? Right next to him, across from there, is Rehoboam. You got two of them. I thought I'd get you. And yet you ought to know it. Yet you ought to know it. Jeroboam was living in Egypt when Solomon died. And when Solomon died, the kingdom of Israel split into north and south. The northern kingdom was called Samaria. The, king, the, the capital of northern kingdom, I mean the northern kingdom was called Israel and the capital was called Samaria. That's where Ahab and Jezebel lived and da da da. And Jeroboam was called to come up out of Egypt and to rule the northern kingdom. The southern kingdom was ruled by Rehoboam and that was called Judah or Judea. And, and, and so that's when it was... Uh, and actually, neither one of them were much good, to be honest with you. Let's see now. This is for this is for the moviegoers. The next one, Simba. Simba. Who is he, and what about him? He was in. Where did Simba come from? Come on now. Lion King, right, he was the good king. Yeah, so give him a G. Yeah, what about this Aragon or whatever his name is, because I never saw this sucker. I saw the Lion King a time or two, but uh, I, I didn't see this uh, other one. Who is he and is he any good? Somebody said, yeah, where did he come from? Lord of the Rings, that's right. And he was a good one, wasn't he? Absolutely, yeah, 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 yeah. Now, let's see how sharp you guys are. See if you've learned anything. Let's go down to C now in your outline. Who was the greatest king of Israel? Say it out loud. It was God. It was God. Do you remember what I told you 
about uh, King Saul. He didn't. Now listen to this carefully. Here's what it says. This is in the 8th chapter of the book of 1 Samuel. So the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah. Ramah today would be called Ramallah. It's a, a city up north of Jerusalem. and It was the, the center of, of the, uh, of the uh, Arabic state there. And they said to him, you're old. And that's not nice, but they said that. And your sons do not walk in your ways. Now appoint a king to lead us such as the other nations have. So the surrounding pagan nations had a king with skin on. They wanted one too. You know what? Most people get into trouble because they try to be like somebody around them. When your kids got to be about teenagers... And they wanted something, and you said, no, no. And they said, well, everybody else has it. Did you ever hear that before? Well, that such and such has it. And, and my father was very quiet. He never answered a question like that. He just walked away. You didn't get it. So the greatest king of Israel was God. And they rejected him. And there's a, this whole eighth chapter is about rejecting God as the king. And we're talking about making Jesus the king. So you can see what we're looking at here is accepting a God, accepting a king who had been rejected. That's the reason why in the long run Israel was replaced by the church. To do God's will. We could spend a lot of time on that. Don't, don't have Who's the second greatest king of Israel? David? Yeah, I think, I think you're safe there. I think you did good. Now, okay. Now then, here's what we've had. We've had the kings of Israel. Let's see how good you are. Who was the first king of Israel? God. Say it out loud. God. All right. The second king of Israel was? No. Saul. Saul. Third king of Israel was David. Fourth king was Solomon. Okay, the, and the next, and now the divided kingdom, the northern kingdom was ruled by Jeroboam, southern kingdom. Now that's pretty good. Let's do it again. First king of Israel. Second king. Saul. Third king. Fourth king. The divided kingdom in north. And you can remember the South because our, like here in the United States, what did they call the Southerners? The rebels. This is Rehoboam the rebel because he was in the Southern Kingdom. So you can, that's, it. that's how I remembered it anyway. Okay, now then. So you've had your history lesson and your Bible lesson, and, and I want you to, because when you learn these things, it makes it easier to understand a lot of things in the Bible. So you needed to know these things. And so we're talking about, about uh, King Jesus and, uh, and what the kingdom is going to be like. Have you ever thought much about when you die or your mom or your dad or whatever, some loved one that is there, what it's like for them now? See, we have a tendency to think about, well, it's heaven and heaven is up there and he's going to be with God. That's eh, okay. Nothing wrong with that. But heaven ain't necessarily up there. 
It's somewhere where Jesus is. But did you ever think, what's life like? Because you and I are both going to kick the bucket here one of these days. I'll beat a lot of you. Because I just found out I was going to, I've got some kind of a, a recessive gene. And I thought that sounded good. Uh, but it wasn't. And anyway, and, and, and so the doctor got in touch and told me I got this thing. And da 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 I said, okay. So I called Dr. Keo and I said, hey, doc, I got this. What, what, what's this mean? He said, it means that it'll be a problem for you in about 30 years. I'll be 110. So, and, you know, you take that for what it's worth. So I'm going to bury a lot of you birds. I can tell you that right now. I'm going to make it to 110, and that's okay. But, did you, you know, all of us have lost loved ones. And did you ever think, what's Now, I'm going to give you an opinion that you may or may not accept. Jesus, you see, in the scripture, spent a lot of time explaining the kingdom of God. He used stories called parables. A parable is defined as an earthly story with a spiritual meaning. And he used those to try to help people understand what the nature of the kingdom of God, also sometimes called the kingdom of heaven, those terms used interchangeably, is really like. See, I don't think, I, I think there's a lot of confusion about it. And I don't think probably it's as tough as you think it might be. Because we have a tendency sometimes from some of the scripture to think, you know, when a man or a woman dies, well, they're going to be like the angels or a butterfly and they're going to be flying around doing something silly. I, I mean, it's a silly concept, but anyway... Uh, there's a lot of that that goes on. There, these are false concepts of the kingdom of God. And you need to look in Scripture to see what Jesus said the kingdom was really like. And, um, and in Luke, the 17th chapter, because the, the 15th, 16th, 17th chapter of Luke, they're all about uh, parables of the kingdom. And, and Jesus used these to teach us what the kingdom was like. And, and I think it would be helpful for us. Death, I don't think, would be such a big problem if we could get clearly in our mind what it's going to be like to get beyond the death experience itself. Now, the death experience itself is not a good thing. It's called the last enemy that we have to face. Now, it's good for William because he makes lots of money off of him. But for the rest of us, we got a problem with it, you know. And and And... And, and so I think it would be helpful if, I can, if you can get in your mind kind of a clear picture of what it's going to be like in God's eternal kingdom. Because you see, we enter that kingdom now. When you become a Christian and you're born the second time, born again, born from above, Holy Spirit makes your body the temple of the Holy Spirit, you then have citizenship in God's eternal kingdom. That's how you get it. That's how you get dual citizenship. But what's it like? And, and so I think it's important for us to try to uh, kind of get a handle on that if we can. Um, here in the, in, the, in the 17th chapter there's, of, of Luke, here's Jesus talking. He said the kingdom of God, 
does not come with careful observation. Now, what he's talking about here is they had a false concept of the kingdom that it would be the kingdom restored like it was under David. Oh, because we throw the Romans out and we got a good king and man, it's going to be great. But Jesus said, hey, my kingdom is not of this world. So it's not an earthly kingdom like they had in mind. It's something different. And he goes ahead and say, uh, people will say, well, here it is or there it is. And see, what we've done is we have assumed because of our political ties that if you elect this guy, he, and this was a, really a prominent thing in the 1800s, if you get this guy elected, he's going to help bring the kingdom of God. First World War was called what? The war to end all wars. God, kingdom of God was going to come here on earth because of some political and religious alliance. False, false, false. It was called post-millennialism. Just to let you know another word. But it was a false concept. It it didn't work. I don't care who you vote for. It ain't going to bring the kingdom of God here on earth. It's not going to happen. I don't care whether you're Democrat, Republican, or Independent, or or you think that these young people think that socialism is going to do it. Oh, you're smoking dope. It ain't going to happen. His kingdom is not of this world. It's different. He said the kingdom of God, and here's where there's a, a, a discussion about which word should be used because the Greek allows both. The NIV says this, because the kingdom of God is within you. Now, if you look, there's a footnote probably in most of your interprets that will say or among you either of those will fit because Jesus was there and wherever Jesus is and rules is his kingdom see but it's not an earthly kingdom and you need to read because we don't have time to do it now you need to read the whole 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians because it deals with earthly bodies and spiritual bodies and so on and so forth but so now pay attention to me The early church and the Catholic church made some observations that I think we need to take seriously because sometimes what happens is because there's there's so much animosity between uh, Catholics and non-Catholics that we have a tendency not to pay attention to what the other one believes and we just... and and, and that's kind of silly. It's what does the Bible teach. It's important. And if the Catholic church practices what the Bible teaches, God bless them. We ought to do the same thing. So here, now I'm going to put this before you and let you kind of wrestle with it. I'm inclined to believe that the kingdom of God is not so much about a place as it is something else. I like to refer to it, and I'm not the only one, and I didn't come up with this originally. It's another dimension. And that dimension might be a lot closer to you than you think. Now, in that, in that different dimension, do you remember when Jesus, the, the early apostles, 120 or so of them, were in the upper room, and Jesus appeared there without coming through the door? You see, it's a spiritual thing. It's not just earthly, it's spiritual. And, and, and it's a whole different idea. And Jesus taught this all the time. Illustrated it with the parables. It's another dimension. 
Now, the, the early church dealt with this a long time because they wanted to know. The, the, you know, 1 Thessalonians is all about, what about the, our dead uh, husband, my dead wife, my dead children, my dead mom and daddy? What's going to happen to them? Do they get to participate in the kingdom of God because they're dead and gone, blah, 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 blah. And, and that whole book of Thessalonians, you know, dealt with to answer that question. So they, they struggle with it just like we do. What's it like when we die? Jesus told the parable, you know, of paradise and Tartarus and in, the, in, 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 in that parable of the rich man and Lazarus. What's it like? Well, they didn't lose their personalities and they didn't lose their identity. When people ask me, well, I know Jojo, Uncle Bill, Uncle what, Grandpa, Grandma, when, when I go to heaven. Of course. Of course. See, and so they actually really had fun. Well, but they were kind of serious. With, and, and this, because and, they brought up ridiculous things. Okay, this guy has been married and his wife died and he divorced this one. He married this one. Married in, in, the, in, the, in the kingdom of God, which one will he belong to? I mean, they, they act, this is in scripture. They actually dealt with that which was dumb. They did dumb things, we do dumb things. They talk about dumb things, we do talk about dumb things. And so this, you know, because the chances are the guy wouldn't be there to start with. So, you know, but, but, but here, they, they struggled, what's it going to be like? And if you go in your Bible to the 12th chapter of the book of Hebrews, you, you really need, because the 11th chapter, you all know, the whole 11th chapter is called the, the Hall of Fame of the Faithful. It's got all these Old Testament saints listed in it. And, and you remember, in your Bible, as it was originally written, there weren't chapters and verses. It was just... And so these things were added much later just so we could memorize and help us out some. But that they, and so they have all of these folks here that the Hebrew writer is saying is in heaven. Or is in that other dimension, if you let me use that term. It's the starting of the 12th chapter that gets your attention. Here's what he says. Therefore, and what I've taught you about the word therefore, it means set up and take notice because this is the conclusion. I've listed all these Old Testament saints. Now, this is what you need to listen to. Therefore... Since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, who are these witnesses? He's talking about all these Old Testament saints in chapter 11. He's talking about those who have dead and gone before us. He is using it like you would a football stadium. And you and I are down on the field playing the game of life. And all of these who have gone before us are in the stands around us watching us. And he says, because they're watching, let's throw off everything that hinders us in this game of life and the sin that so easily entangles us, whatever that happens to be in each of our lives. And let us run with perseverance the race marked before us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. What, and so the, the early church said, if that's really the way it is, 
If this is more than just an illustration, and this is really the way it is, and all of those folks who have died have gone before us, and they're in the stands watching us live our life. So the, the church did something I don't necessarily agree with, but you will understand why they did it. They said, if all of these folks, my, my husband, my mother, my father, my grandfather, if they're up here watching, and they're, they're up there cheering us on and... and, and why can't we ask them to pray for us? And let them... Well, see, the reason I don't believe that is I got Jesus praying for me and I don't need them. You follow that? He is the one who sits at the right hand of the Father. So I don't necessarily agree with this, but you need to know that this is why they did what they did. And if you were to go get a church calendar from a Catholic Church, Orthodox Church, Episcopal Church, many of those, you would find that almost every day of the year there's a saint somebody or another listed. This is St. Scott's Day or St. Rick's Day. or Saint, I mean, we'll never make it, but that's okay. That's the, the idea that all of these saints are there that you're supposed to. And when you drive down the road, you'll see somebody having a little thing hanging on their rearview mirror called a saint. Christopher's medal, who's supposed to help keep us safe. So they said, this is, this is called, theologically, the intercession of the saints. But the concept is that all of our loved ones in Christ, who have been born into the kingdom of God, are in that other dimension, and they may be closer than you think. And I had a guy last night said, yeah. My wife's mother turns our wash machine off and on. Well, I'd like to check that out, but that's a did. And it said the person that lives there before we did keeps fiddling with our thermostat. I think he'd been smoking too, but that's okay. You get the idea. That was the opinion of the early church, and they were serious about it. We can kind of giggle about it, but they were serious about it. what, where is my mom? Where is my dad? What are they doing? Well, the nature of this kingdom that we're talking about here is really good. And, 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 and we assume incorrectly, we assume incorrectly that the nature of the kingdom is, is that if you belong to the church, you automatically are part of that kingdom. Folks, do not believe that. That is not true. That's a bold-faced lie that misleads people. You can belong to every church in Scioto County and still go to hell on a skateboard. You've got to be born again. Your body has to be the temple of the Spirit of God. And then you have access to God's eternal kingdom. And, 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 and what is the most important thing? See, you can't, you can't join God's church. That's the reason we don't emphasize it here. In Acts 2.30, uh, in, in the second chapter of the book of Acts, uh, it, it tells us this, that you have to be added to the church by God. He has his role. We have ours. Guess which one counts? And so it says, and the Lord added to the church daily such as were being saved. That's the church I want to belong to. 
I want to belong to the one that God is keeping the role for. I want to know I'm going to go to heaven when I die, not because I'm good enough, but because God has added me to the church because of His grace and His mercy. Amen? Now then, what, so what is the hallmark of this church? What, how should it be known? Well, you go to the 13th, because I told you Corinthians is, deals with this kind of stuff, and the 15th chapter is big, but 13th is big too, because it says he has all of these spiritual gifts that, we're, that the church gets, all up, you know, gets excited about today. But he said, and now there remains just these three. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. The hallmark of God's eternal kingdom is an atmosphere where love is daily practiced all the time. Love. I'm not talking about fuzzy, warm feelings. I'm talking about the way we treat each other. You remember? I told you that's where I was going at the start. The way white people have treated black people through the years. There's no excuse for that. But it's a part of the real world. See, I don't believe, and I'm going to be preaching a sermon about three or four weeks about this on Martin Luther King thing. I, I, don't, I think it's terrible that there are black churches and white churches. I think there needs to be the church. And anybody who believes in Jesus is equal to everybody else that's there. Amen? Amen. So, this is what the kingdom of God is all about. And we should have as our goal individually and congregationally as the number one priority for everything we do and say should be love. Because that's the thing that's going to be in the kingdom. There remains just three things that are going to be there. Faith, hope, and love. And love is at the top, he said. That's number one. We've got to learn to love each other. we got to encourage each other to love. And, and, and there are people that you don't like in the flesh, but that's your problem, and you need to repent of it and pray for them. Because, you know, it, this past week, I, got, I got, just got a couple of minutes before we play a, a video here. This past week, I got chewed on pretty good by some guy who walked in because we didn't have our flags at half-mask. I didn't even know they were supposed to be at half-mask. But he was chewing on me a little bit, and, uh, and I can take that. And uh, so I got to think about it because of John Glenn's thing. Evidently, the state had said you need to have them, and, and I didn't know it, so we didn't do it. And Rick's, he had his plate full, and... Ralph, we were delivering packages to kids and all that kind of stuff. And it came up about old John Glenn. And I, and I, I watched, so I, I listened to some of it. Just then, since I became aware that they were going to have a funeral service up in Columbus, and I listened to part of it. And what kind of really struck me is this. Because, you know, he, he, through the years, he's been pretty left-wing. Uh, he was for abortion, voted for abortion, da 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 thing. So, so I kind of, eh, eh, you know. But I got, to, I got to hearing about some of the things. Ted Williams may have been the best hitter that uh, the American League ever had. 
I guess he's the last guy that ever hit 400. I mean, that guy could hit a baseball. Had a, I mean, he had a swing that was just beautiful to watch. And he was a, a pilot who served in, along with John Glenn. And he got, his, he, he got shot. He hit some, some ACAC, hit his plane, and he caught on fire. And John Glenn pulled up beside of him in his plane and said, follow me up, follow me up, follow me up. Ted Williams went up with him. They kept going up and up and up and up and up until they got where the oxygen, there wasn't enough oxygen to maintain the fire. The fire went out on his plane and he was able to land it safely. Ted Williams said he was the calmest man I ever met. You see, sometimes when you don't know somebody very well, if, and I met him once, just hi and goodbye, sometimes all we have to do is get to know somebody, and the more you know about them, the more you may appreciate them. That's the way it is with God. You, you become a Christian and you've just begun that walk, or, and, it's, and, and we should then get to know him better. Get to know how he thinks. Because I didn't have time to get to it, but in, 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 we talk about that the, we have the mind of Christ. So we can get to know God, because Jesus came to show us how it's done. And, the, and we just need to get to know God more. We need to get to know him better. And even though the king concept may be repulsive to us, when we get to know who our king is and we get to know him really well, we may say, I really love this guy. Listen to this. Maybe it'll make it clear. The Bible says my king is the king of the Jews. He's the king of Israel. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages. He's the king of heaven. He's the king of glory. He's the king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. I wonder do you know him. My king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He is the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient savior. I wonder if you know him today. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleans the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captive. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. And he purifies the meek. I wonder if you know 
deliverance. He's a pathway of peace. He's a roadway of righteousness. He's a highway of holiness. He's a gateway of glory. Do you know him? Well, his life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. And his yoke is easy. And his burden is lighter. I wish I could describe him. For yet he's indescribable. He's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. Well, you can't get him out of your mind. You can't, you can't get him off of your head. When I get in that other dimension, I'm going to have a voice just like that, you know. Would that be something? So if you don't know him, I'd like to recommend him to you to get to know him. Your life will be blessed, and you'll get to participate in that kingdom, a kingdom for eternity, and it's free. So Lord, bless this gathering of people. May the power of your Holy Spirit rest heavy on us. Go with us to our homes. Give us courage to testify to what you've done for us. Keep us safe, Father. Give us courage. And bless us, we pray in Jesus' name. And all the people said? Amen. God bless you. You're free to go.